Well, good morning. Good to see you guys this morning. Uh, this morning we are in the book of Galatians, book of Galatians, uh, verses 13 through 15 will be our text of chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. Let me just say thank you for uh, joining us this morning for worship uh, on this Memorial Day weekend. And uh, as Ryan mentioned earlier, we do want to say thank you for all those who have served in our military, as well as those uh, whose family has uh, you know, given, given their life for the freedom that we have, the freedom that we have to come together as a church and to be able to worship King Jesus to be able to gather together with friends and family over this weekend and, you know, just experience life with one another and to be able to gather together and ultimately study God's Word as we're doing here this morning. And so we want to say thank you to those who have served and thank you to those who have given their life for our freedom um, to be able to gather freely as believers in Christ. Well, hopefully you found your place. Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 15 is our text. Let me read that. Um, Then I'm going to pray, and we'll dive into the message. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. God, we thank you for this day and this opportunity to gather together um, as your church to come and to worship you through song, through the reading of your word, and now through the preaching of your word, God. And Lord, as we walk through this text here this morning, we ask that you would help us to understand what Christian freedom is and how we might live as those who are free in Christ. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as, uh, as much of, as we have all grown up to, to love our parents over the years, you know that when you were a teenager, you probably looked forward to the day when you were able to move out and get out from underneath your parents' roof. Uh, maybe now you're thinking that. You know, when I grew up underneath uh, my parents' roof, it, their, their rules are, are what went. Um, I could not break them. What they said is what, what I had to do. And, and of course, as a teenager, you always think, man, I know what is best, which is why many of us probably could not wait for the day when we were able to move out, to plot our own course, to go to bed when we wanted to go to bed, to, to eat what we wanted to eat, uh, to you know, come home when we wanted to come home to watch what we wanted to watch and even to live where we wanted to live. And if you're honest, as a teenager, either then or now, those thoughts have probably run through your mind. See, we all want freedom. But what is freedom? Well, hearing that word, it might, it might conjure up an image of the 60s or 70s where everything was about Freedom And the idea of freedom that was being put forth now, the idea of freedom that, that many people put forth even today is that it is the ability to live according to our own rules, to decide things for ourselves. It mix into the idea, not always, but sometimes mix into that idea is the casting off of authority because we are our own 
authority. Because that's our working definition of freedom. When many of us hear the phrase Christian freedom, we, we take and we equate those two ideas. But is that what it means for us to be Christian and to be free? Does Christian freedom mean that we are free from God's law, that we are free from His authority, that we are free from doing the things that God wants us to do in the way that He wants us to do them? Does, does it mean that we can live how we want? Does it mean that we can chart our own course, chart our own path? Is that what it means for us to have Christian freedom? What is Christian freedom? Well, I, I get these ideas in Galatians chapter 5. If, if you go back to the beginning of the chapter there in verse 1, he says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And then down in today's text in verse 13, this is what we read. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And these, reverse, these verses reveal that, that Jesus, he has come, and Jesus is the one who has set us free. Those who are in Christ, those who believe in Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior, they are free in Christ. They experience freedom. And there are certain freedoms and, and benefits affording to those who are Christians that are not given to non-believers. And so what are those benefits? Well, first we see that in Christ, we are free to have a relationship with God. We can call this relational freedom. As we've talked about in the past, if we don't believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, then, then God is actually our enemy. We live at odds with God, and the result of that is that we deserve His punishment. But the good news is, is that Jesus has come. Jesus has, has died for us. And essentially, He takes the punishment that we deserve, and He takes His punishment on Himself. And when He does, He acts as our substitutional sacrifice. And all those who believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they, they have His work, and they also have His righteousness credited to their account. In this way, Jesus ends up paying the debt that we owe, and because Jesus pays our debt and makes us righteous, He makes it possible for us to have a relationship with the Father. God can't have a relationship with those who are unholy, unrighteous, sinners, but, but Christ makes us holy. Christ makes us righteous as, as His holiness and His righteousness is credited to our account. Not because of what, what we have done, right? It's not because we, we deserve this or, or anything that, that we have done and, and Christ looks down and Jesus says, yes, I'm going to come and I'm going to die for that person right there because of what they have done and how they have been living for God. And I just need to make them holy and righteous so that they can have a relationship with the Father. That's not how it works. Even while we were His enemies, even while we hated Him, even while we wanted nothing to do with God, Jesus comes and Jesus dies for us so that we might be able to have a relationship with the Father. Through His work alone, we are made holy and we are made righteous. This is why Paul can tell us a little earlier in the book of Galatians, in Galatians 3.26, For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. It's not through our works, but it's through faith that we are adopted into the family 
of God. And so we see then that Christian freedom is relational freedom. It's freedom to have a relationship with God, a relationship that was severed by our sin, but is finally brought together in Christ. And as those who have been brought together in Christ, we can, we can walk with God in the cool of the day like Adam and Eve, though not, though not physically like they did, but, but spiritually. And we can look forward to the time when Jesus comes back and Jesus restores everything where we can live in his kingdom in relationship with him. Christian freedom provides us with relational freedom. But that's not all Christian freedom is. In Christ, we are free from sin. We might call this moral freedom. That's what Paul is getting at in Galatians 5, 24, when he says this, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You see, before we came, before Christ came into our lives, we were we were slaves to sin. In other words, we, were, we weren't free to resist sin. It controlled us. It led us where it wanted to lead us. It, it, it kept us in bondage. It enslaved us. But in Christ, we are freed from sin. And, that's what, and that means that Christian freedom provides us with, with moral freedom. For the first time in our lives, we are actually able to live according to God's law, to live according to God's Will. We are not in bondage to sin. We, we are free from sin and we are free to live unto God. But we're not done. Continuing, we also learn that in Christ we were free from Satan's mastery. We might call this kingdom freedom. In Galatians 1 4, we're told that Christ delivers us from the present evil age. And the present evil age not only refers to the bondage of of sin that we just talked about here a moment ago, but it also refers to us having Satan as our master, him having mastery over us. And now here's where I believe many people get, get things wrong, right? We either, we either belong to Satan's kingdom or we belong to God's kingdom. We can't skirt the fence or, or straddle the creek, if you will, but we are either in one kingdom or the other. And those who reject Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior, they, they are not just living according to their, their own rules. They're not charting their own path. Instead, they are actually being mastered by Satan. He is the one who is directing them. He is the one who is guiding them. And so when Christians, I mean, when non-Christians talk about those who, uh, when they talk about being free, you know, I don't want to become a Christian. I don't want to believe in Jesus because you're not free, right? You've got to live according to the rules and the laws set forth in this old, ancient, antiquated book. You're not really free. Well, they're not free either. See, you're either in one kingdom or the other. You're either controlled by God or you're controlled by Satan, and so if you don't believe in Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, you are not free. But if you do believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you experience freedom, but freedom in Christ. And you are in, in His kingdom. And just as those who are in Satan's kingdom are controlled by Satan, we are now controlled by God. But we want to be controlled by God. Right? We want him to direct and to guide our lives. We want him to be the king over our life because God is the one who has created. He's the one who sustains everything. He is the one who, whose wisdom is, is in the fabric of this world. He is the one who determines 
what happens and what doesn't happen. He is the one who is the all-wise creator of this world. And when we live according to his wisdom, things generally go well for us. You see, we are designed to live according to God's will. The fall messed that up as we sought our own will, as we sought to to live according to, to our own standard of what is right and wrong. But God's standard of what is right and wrong is the best standard of what is right and wrong. And we want to be a part of his kingdom. We want to live according to his will. And as those who believe in Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior, they are in his kingdom and they are experiencing freedom in Christ as they live in that kingdom. Freedom from the bondage of sin, Satan, and death. In Colossians, another one of Paul's letters, he writes in 1.13, he, speaking of the Father, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and he has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. And this transferring of kingdoms and allegiances occurs through Jesus' work on our behalf, which reveals to us that we have kingdom freedom. It's freedom from Satan's kingdom to live in God's kingdom. Lastly, we learn that in Christ, we are free from the law's condemnation. And we might refer to this as legal freedom. Apart from Christ, we stand condemned by the law. That's because the law's demand on us is perfection. And the last time I looked, none of us are perfect. You may have sin this morning, or you may, you know, have sinned last night, or you may, you know, sin when you leave here, right? None of us are perfect. We sin all of the time. And if we haven't believed in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, then we live in a perpetual state of sin because sin at its core, sin at its root is a rejection, is a rebellion against God. It is saying, God, I want nothing to do with you. I do not want you to be the king of my life. I am going to be the own, I'm going to be the king of my life. I am going to chart my own course. I'm going to determine what is right and what is wrong. And so apart from Christ, we are sinning all of the time because we have rejected God. We have rebelled against God. And that is at its core what sin is. And even as believers, when we sin, we are saying to God that the one who has paid the price for us, the one who has transferred us out of Satan's kingdom into his kingdom, the one who has given his life for us, we are saying, we don't want anything to do with you. We want to chart our own path. We want to determine what is right and wrong here. We don't want to live according to your will. That's what we are saying even as believers when we sin against God. But in Christ, we have freedom from the law's condemnation. We are free from that. He says down in Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by coming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Christ becomes a curse for us in order to redeem us from the curse that we are under, the curse of the law, and the law's curse. The law is a curse because it condemns us ultimately to eternal death. All those who trust in Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior, they, the curse of the law is, is removed from them. And instead, instead of standing condemned by the law, we are actually free from the law's condemnation. And Christ's freedom then is legal freedom. It is freedom from punishment and sacrifice 
a punishment and sacrifice that we deserve, a punishment and sacrifice that Christ has taken for us. So let me just bring this all together. When we, when we look at Scripture, we learn that Christian freedom is freedom from the law's condemnation to have a relationship with God, to freely live in His kingdom according to His will, instead of having Satan and sin control us with nothing to look forward to but punishment and death. It's relational freedom, it's moral freedom, it's kingdom freedom, and it's legal freedom. That's what it means for us to be free in Christ. And if that's what it means for us to be free in Christ, then we need to ask the question, well, well, how are we to use our Christian freedom? How are we to use our Christian freedom? In other words, how are we to live as those who are free in Christ? And that's the question that we have to answer because I believe that, that Christian freedom is, is not only misunderstood, but Christian freedom is often misused, right? We say, well, we can do this because we have freedom in Christ. We can do that because we have freedom in Christ. And oftentimes we're, we're not talking about good things, we're talking about sinful things. So we need to clear up this misunderstanding. We need to understand how we are to use our Christian freedom, how we are to live as those who are free in Christ. First, we see that, that we aren't to use our freedom, whoops, we aren't to use our freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. And that's exactly what Paul tells us in the beginning of verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. And if we break this down, looking at the beginning of the verse tells us that we have a, a freedom that, that God has called us to. God has called us to a specific freedom. And Paul tells us that this because he wants us to understand right at the outset that our freedom in Christ is a result of God's call on our life. It isn't the result of some natural right. It isn't the result of some human campaign for liberation. We have freedom because God has, has called us to freedom. It is God's will for us to have freedom in Christ. And so we see here then that our God is a good God. Our God does not just want to put some bondage. He doesn't want to just keep us in bondage. He doesn't, he doesn't want us to have a life that is not joyful, right? He wants us to experience freedom in Christ. And when we experience freedom in Christ, we experience true joy. We experience true satisfaction. We experience true fulfillment. And so God has called us to freedom. He hasn't called us to bondage. And if God has called us to freedom, He has not called us to sin. And that's why Paul stresses in the second half of the verse that, that we should not use our freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. You see, while we have a relationship with God and we are free from the law's condemnation, we aren't free to live apart from the law's moral demands on our life. Sure, we don't have to offer sacrifices like those in the Old Testament did, right? When, when Jesus came, when he offered himself as a sacrifice on the cross, he offered a once and for all sacrifice for all of the sin. And so we don't have to go to, an, to a priest and, and go to an, an altar and, and kill an animal every single time we sin. Jesus offered this sacrifice. His blood is better than the blood of bulls and goats. But even though Jesus has offered this sacrifice in a sense that the sacrificial portion of the law has not necessarily been done away with, it has been fulfilled. It has been fulfilled in Christ. 
That doesn't mean that, that we don't look back to God's law. That doesn't mean that we don't look to God's commands in Scripture and say, well, how do you want us to live? God's commands, God's law, you know, and, and I'm talking not just about the law that is found in the first five books of the Bible, but, but the law throughout, right? As we see God's commands, even in, even in these letters that we are working through, the letter to the Galatians and other letters in the New Testament, and th- these are commands that God is is putting forth on our life. Ways in which he is saying that, that we should live. We don't, we don't cast these off. We don't throw them out. You see, the law represents God's heart. The law represents God's wisdom. And we want to live according to God's will. We want to live according to God's wisdom if we are believers. Our desires should have changed so that that is the case. And as those who are free from the condemnation of the law, then we should desire, we should delight in the law of God, seeing it as a guide to our lives. Not something that we are to cast off, not something that we are just to put away, but the law is something that we delight in. That reminds me of what Paul told the Romans in chapter 6 of his letter to them. You see, the Romans, just like the Galatians, they were using the freedom that they have in Christ or the freedom they thought that they had in Christ as an opportunity for the flesh. Even relishing in the sin that was committed in the community there because they thought that this was an opportunity for God's grace to abound, to be greater and greater. To help them understand what they were doing wasn't right. Paul, he asks them this question in Romans chapter six. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound. And so look at, look at his answer here. It's up there on the screen. By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. You see what he's saying there, right? God's grace provided us with the relationship with Jesus and it provides us with a new life. And so by no means should we continue in sin. By no means should we run back to sin. That's not why God has poured out his grace on your life. Not so that you can continue to sin and his grace may just abound more and more and more to show how gracious God is. No, God has poured out his grace on your life so that you are free from the bondage of sin, so that you are free from Satan's mastery over you. You've been transferred from one kingdom to the other so that you can live for Christ, so that you can live a new life in Christ. So through Christ, we're not only free from the law's condemnation, given a new relationship with God, but we are also freed from having to sin. We are free to live a life of righteousness. And if that's what what freedom provides, then we should not use that freedom as an opportunity to sin. Doing so means that we return to slavery, not that we are freed. A while back, I was watching this talk show, and and, uh, this talk show was about folks who were in credit card debt. And uh, there are a number of people who came on the talk show and and I'm not just talking about like a little bit of credit card debt, right? I'm talking like 20, 40, 60, 80, you know, $100,000 
in credit card debt, just unreal amount of credit card debt. And you look and you're like, how could anybody ever get in debt like that? And so as they go through the show, people are telling their stories and, and what happened and how this debt is you know, debilitating to them and how it has hindered them. And, and there was this one lady on the show I, I remember in particular because she had been in this place before. She was in this massive credit card debt in the past. And someone came along and someone paid off the debt for her. And she was able to live you know, without that credit card debt for a while. But, but what happened? She ran right back to using the credit card. Instead of cutting it up, instead of never applying for one ever again, she thought, great, right? Like, my debt has been paid. I don't have any more debt. I can go out and I can buy and I can spend and I can do whatever I want. And here she is back on this show again in a massive amount of debt, experiencing the same anxiety and all the other emotions that go along with having this amount of debt and having to pay this off. And we look at this lady and we say, man, she is foolish. I can't believe that, 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 this, that this would take place. She's been freed from this debt, and now she's right back in it. How foolish could you be? Here's the thing, though. While we recognize her foolishness, we don't recognize our own foolishness. You see, we're just like her when we run headlong back into the sin that we have been freed from by Christ. He has paid our debt. He has released us from the bondage of sin and all of the anxiety and all of the emotions that come along with that. We've been freed from that in Christ. And we run right back into it time and time and time again. Not only is that foolish, but that is contrary to what God has called us to. God hasn't called us to sin. Instead, as one author says, we are free in Christ. But we are not free from sin or to flirt with sin. Whatever else Christian freedom means, it fundamentally means that we are free to be holy. We're free to be holy. Let's think about that word holy for a minute. Oftentimes this is given a negative connotation, but, but being free to be holy doesn't mean that we can't enjoy life. You know, people say, oh, they're, they're so holy. They can't, they can't enjoy life at all. But being being holy doesn't mean we can't enjoy life. In Christ, we enjoy some of the pleasures of, of this life. We don't have to be straight-edged to be a Christian. We don't have to give all our way, away all of our money and live life barely scraping by to be a Christian. We don't have to give up our, our career to be a missionary or a monk or a nun or a priest or a pastor to be a Christian or even a good Christian. To require someone to do any of those things is to add to the gospel. And as we walk through the book of of Galatians, we see that the tagline is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. We're not adding anything to the gospel. We're, we're seeking to see, well, what is the gospel? And live according to the gospel alone, not, not according to the gospel plus some sort of work. Being a Christian then does not hinder our ability to have fun, to enjoy life, to enjoy the world in which God has has given us, but, but we've got to be careful here because the freedom that, that Paul is talking about here doesn't give us a license to continue in sin either. And so while we don't have to live this ascetic life to be a Christian, we can't and shouldn't use our freedom as an opportunity for the flesh and then justify it by saying, oh, we're, we're free in Christ. 
We're free from the condemnation of God in Christ. We don't have to face any punishment. We're free in Christ. Plus, as a Christian, our idea of what it means to be free should fundamentally change when we come to faith in Christ. Right? When we come to faith in Christ, we're talking about not just like external change that happens. We're talking about internal heart change that takes place. Our will and our wants and our desires actually change. We, we desire the things of God now. We, we, we should desire to want to live how God wants us to live. Which means then that, that we should not desire the things of the world. We should not desire to, to run after those things. We shouldn't see those things that, that we once saw before we came to faith in Christ, those things that are sinful, as enjoyable, as things that we want to chase after. Right? We, we should see those as what they are, as an offense against God, as, a, as rebellion against God. And so as those who are believers in Christ, if, if we desire those things from the domain of darkness, from Satan's kingdom, if we desire the sin of this world, then we need to look and we need to say, have I really been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light? Am I really a citizen in Jesus' kingdom? Has my heart really been changed by him? Because if we, if we just say that we're a Christian, and we're just trying to change ourselves externally, but no internal change has really happened, then we will desire those things of the world. But if we are truly a believer in Jesus, and true change has taken place, then we will desire the things of God, and we will run after those, and we will run away from the things of this world, the sinful things of this world. Christians should not fundamentally love and live for the domain of darkness. And so we should live for and love the kingdom of Jesus. Instead of using our freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, we're to use our freedom to love and to serve one another. Paul ends verse 13 by saying this, but through love serve one another. To continue in sin is, is selfish. To continue in sin is is self-serving as Christians. That's not who we are. That's not who we, who we should be. We have been freed from that type of life. We have been freed from living selfish lives. When we exercise selflessness, we exercise love because that's really what love is. Love is self-sacrificial. Love is not self-serving. Love is not, I love you because you can do this for me. Love is, I love you despite of what you can do for me and what you have done for me. It is not self-serving, it is self-sacrificial. And we show we love others by self-sacrificially loving them, by serving them. And we should do that because serving one another in love fulfills the law. Paul in Galatians 5.14, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Remember, we've been freed from the condemnation of the law, but we haven't been freed from the moral demands of the law. And if we want to fulfill the law, and we should want to fulfill the law, then we must love our neighbor as ourselves. And that connects back to the idea that we must love God with all of our being. And if we're struggling to love others well, what we need to do is we need to, to preach the gospel to ourselves. We need to remind ourselves of how Christ has 
sacrifice for us. We need to remind ourselves of the love of God. Remember, we talked about earlier that Jesus came and Jesus gave his life for us, even while we are his enemies, even while we hated him. He loved us. He served us by going to the cross and by giving of himself so that we might be able to have a relationship with the Father, so that we might be freed from the bondage of sin. And so we should use our freedom in Christ, not not to serve ourselves, but to serve others. And we should do this through love. It is love that empowers our service and love is empowered through the gospel. In doing so, we fulfill the law, we please God, and we bring glory to his name. And we should also use our freedom to love and serve one another because serving one another in love leads to us thriving individually and as a community. And this is what Paul is getting at in verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. In other words, if you are living in a self-serving way, what you are actually doing is you are not loving another person and you're not gonna thrive as a community. Instead, the community is just going to implode on itself and we're gonna end up being consumed and being destroyed. And aren't we seeing this happening right now in our culture? You know, cancel culture. This is what everybody is, is running for, right? You say something that, that, that people think is wrong and not right. Well, we got to go and we got to cancel that person. We got to cancel that business, right? This whole woke society that we are living in now. It's all about canceling someone else. And what are you doing? You're biting and you're devouring. And what's going to happen? You're going to get destroyed as well. The world in, in a cancel culture world is not a world in which you want to live in. It's not a community in which you want to live in. It's a community of fear because it's like, well, when am I going to get canceled? I've got to be able to say the right things and do the right things because I don't want to be canceled. But then you fear because it's like, well, when is public opinion going to change? When, when are they going to decide that what I'm saying and what I'm doing is not right and people are going to start coming after me? You live in a world where people are just seeking to bite and devour one another. Well, that is not a community that anybody wants to live in. That doesn't live, that doesn't end up being a free community. That doesn't end up being a community where there is love. That ends up being a community that is going to implode on itself. One that we want no part of. It's a community that is not going to thrive community that is going to be destroyed, and we already see this taking place. But as believers, we want to be a part of a thriving community, and we can be a part of a thriving community as we, as we use our freedom in Christ to love and to serve one another. You see, when, when you love and you serve one another self-sacrificially, not saying, what have they done for me? What can they do for me? But you are loving and serving them because that is what Christ has done for you just out of pure love for this other person. That's a community that people want to be a part of. That's a community that people want to join. That's a community that is thriving. That's a community that can only take place as we truly are, are living out our Christian freedom that Christ has won for us through his sacrificial death on the cross. And so I hope you see that that Christian freedom is freedom from the law's condemnation, to have a relationship with God, 
to freely live in his kingdom according to his will instead of having Satan and sin control us with nothing to look forward to but punishment and death. You see, it's not freedom to live how we want. It's not freedom to cast off God's law. It's not freedom from God. Rather, it is freedom to God and the things of God, something we could not experience in the past. And as those who are free, we must not submit again to sin. We must not use and abuse one another. Instead, we should love and serve one another. We should enjoy the relationship that we have with the Lord. We should relish in our freedom and we should guard it at all costs. And that's what Christian freedom is. That's what the, the benefits of, of Christian freedom is. And so let's live as those who are free. But let's make sure that we're living in the way that God has defined freedom and not how we have defined freedom. See, if you're here this morning and you're thinking, I want that type of freedom. Well, in a moment, we're going to, to sing. We're going to respond to the message that you have heard here today. And this is an opportunity for you to, to turn to Jesus as your Lord and, and as, your, as your Savior. It's an opportunity for you to experience the freedom that we've been talking about here, the freedom that only comes in Christ. And so a moment, Nathan and Praise team are going to come and they're going to, they're going to sing and I'll be standing down here if you want to pray, if you want to publicly give your life to Christ, we would love to, to celebrate the freedom that he has won for you here this morning. And if you've already experienced that freedom, if today you call yourself a believer in Christ, you call yourself a Christian. Well, as we sing this final song this morning, this is an opportunity for you to reflect on how are you living in that freedom? Are you giving opportunity for the flesh? Or are you living for Christ? As well as it is an opportunity for you to praise and to glorify Jesus for the freedom that he has won for you. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and then let's respond through this final song. God, we come to you this morning thankful for the opportunity to gather and for the freedom that you have given to us in Christ for the freedom to not have to sin, for the freedom to live in your kingdom, God, for the freedom to experience a restored relationship with you, the creator and sustainer, the all-sovereign of this world. God, we thank you for the freedom that you have given us in Christ. And Lord, we pray, Lord, if there's someone here today who hasn't experienced that freedom, that you might work in their heart this morning, that you might help them to see that they are only truly free in Christ and that they would turn to you as their Lord and as their Savior here this morning, God. Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.